I don't like that man. I like that. Oh, I think I've seen that before. He looks That's like not someone. too bad. He looks, he looks like so someone. smug. I would not send my most private queries to this man. I wouldn't ask this man anything. I wouldn't, aside I wouldn't from ask him the time of day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not got a CEO. How big his chin is. He looks like a disturbing version of Stephen Fry, but with Hugh Laurie's chin. <laughs> yeah. His eyebrows are so high up, like... <laughs> Mm, you want to search for that, do you? Mm -hmm. Mario Inflation. <laughs> Hello and welcome. That's right. Broccoli, baby. Baby. This is the Pocket Monster Manual. Um, we're, we are Ladies Brunch Club. My name is Specs. I'm hosting, apparently. Uh, I'm here today with Catsman. B-Throw. Raisin Bran. Oh, hey, that's me. Shiny Missing No. Wahoo. And Willy Shambler. Where am I? Uh, below me on this list. Um, we have got an action-packed podcast for you. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't got, lie, don't lie to them how dare you we have got a podcast for you um <laughs> factually accurate <laughs> a factually accurate podcast um we should start off by talking about comments from the last episode we had one that i am aware of that said we are the jackson pollock of video games was he yes uh video games podcasts um i don't know who jackson pollock is he's the guy who does the multicolored paint paintings that aren't you know the abstract things he was sort of there was sort of a jackson pollock fad like 20 or 30 years ago so his pictures just are a bit shit oh i don't look do not ask a guy in a video game podcast to try to interpret art no i googled it and this makes a lot of sense this makes a lot of sense <laughs> i'm gonna look it up now jackson's bollocks let's see would you say we're we're Dadaist as well? That's that's one thing that you could potentially apply to us. <laughs> not intentionally. Not, not intentionally. <laughs> accidentally, perhaps. This this is just someone flicking paint onto a canvas. Yes. I love this picture of him just like dripping paint onto the floor. <laughs> this is why people on video game podcasts aren't allowed to interpret art. Well, that's us. We are we are throwing paint randomly. I think we're, he we're whatever Heathcliff is, because we're just circling around the same in-jokes endlessly <laughs> with mm -hmm. no, no attempt at a useful discussion. <laughs> what do we want to talk about first? So I have one bit of video game news that I find quite, in quite Let's funny. Let's get the one video game news out 
at first. This is the best video game news I've heard in a while. Um, so apparently the author of The Boy in the Striped Pajamas wrote a new book recently. Um, and in it, uh, it gives a recipe for making red dye because oh, yes, someone's dyeing their clothes oh, yeah. in the book. And the, the red dye recipe in the book is the red dye recipe from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so it's got, <laughs> yeah. it's got like Hylian Loach, Liz Alfos tales in it, like stuff like that. And he's just like well it was the first thing that came up when i googled how to make red dye i tried that and it did not come up with breath of the wild recipes uh maybe he binged it maybe true maybe he binged, binged it god binged it, yeah. what a horrible world maybe he asked jeeves it's not even ask jeeves anymore jeeves isn't on it did you yeah, know it's that just ask jeeves rode off into the sunset on a donkey um at the end of his tenure jeeves didn't want to answer, answer any more questions jeeves was done i don't see the point in asking if i'm not asking jeeves if i'm just asking into some website into the void <laughs> yeah exactly ask jeeves, the void. jeeves made it personal the Dyes I used in my dressmaking were composed from various ingredients depending on the colour required, but almost all required nightshade, sapphire, keese wings, the leaves of the silent princess plant, octorok eyeball, swift violet, thistle, and hightail lizard. In addition, for the red I had used for Abrila's dress, I employed spicy pepper, the tail of the red lizalvos, and four Hylian shrooms. I, I don't get this. So, even if you have no idea what Zelda is, did he think like Octorok and Keese are real things? I was gonna say Octorok sounds made up. But I, <laughs> like, how did it get past the editor? Yeah, this is what I was gonna say. Like, how do you get to the point where your book is published and out, and no one has been like, mm, "This doesn't sound right." I mean, once you're a famous enough author, you can just publish any old garbage and people will read it. I didn't realise when I heard this originally that it was the author of other books also. I thought it was just some guy who wrote books. No, it was Boy in the Striped Pajamas yeah. is author, so that's quite a well-known book as well. Yeah, it is. And I've, he's just... I've heard of it and I can't read, so... Yeah, fucked up if true and it is true, so... Yeah. What genre is this book? Is it like if it's like a fantasy? I can. No, it's meant to be like historical fiction. Like it's meant to be. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's meant to be like accurate historical fiction, and he's just fucking looked up Breath of the Wild dye recipes. It's very funny. Look, that that cracks me up. But if it was me, I would have claimed it was a fun Easter egg that I totally intended the whole time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Never admit fault, especially if you're an author. <laughs> They're gonna just leave it in the book, though, apparently. Like... Well, you can't take it all back now, can you? Yeah. I wish, I wish it was possible to unwrite. <laughs> Groovy! Yeah, I, you know what? Let's have me next, because I've been meaning to talk about this for a long time. I need to know... Have any of you seen this, or have any of you seen anyone, or talked to anyone who's seen a phantom kangaroo? What? <laughs> I've heard about this. What? I've, yeah, I've heard about this, like kangaroos potentially being in the UK. Um, no, I've never seen a kangaroo. Secretly? One of my friends claims that he's seen a phantom kangaroo, and I stopped him, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he was like, you know, a phantom kangaroo. And I was like, there's no such thing as a fucking phantom kangaroo. And he was like, go to the Wikipedia page. And I went there, and here it is. 
Phantom kangaroos are a report of kangaroos, wallabies, or accompanying footprints in areas where there's no native population, with explanations ranging from escaped zoo animals to mass hysteria. I mean, it's not that weird to think that something's escaped from a zoo and it was potentially pregnant at the time, or maybe a couple of animals escaped from a zoo and they've been breeding somewhere in secret in the UK. You'd think that it would be very localized to one area, um, but you get like... You know, there's parakeets all over London. Nobody knows where they came from. There's weird ranging theories from like they escaped from George Michael's flat to they just escaped from a zoo somewhere. But I saw one last time I was in London and there's um, there's just thousands of them apparently live there. Oh, yeah, there's loads of them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it happens. The Beast of Bodmin Moor as well. Right. That was my my dad claimed to have seen the Beast of Bodmin Moor. What is the Beast of Bodmin Moor? Uh, It was a jaguar or people reckon it was a jaguar that had escaped from a zoo and just like lived on Bodmin Moor and was attacking travelers and sheep and stuff. Again, what people do is they see like a cat and they think it's further away than it is. But actually it's just floating. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's a, a fucking inscrutable in joke that we're circling around. There you go. I told you. <laughs> anyway, the point is Kangaroos don't exist in this country, nor do large cats. They're all mass hysteria. There were documented colonies of red-necked wallabies in the United Kingdom. Really? Yes, it says that in this Wikipedia article that you linked personally. I read this Wikipedia article and forgot it, okay, Shiny? (laughs) Okay. Huh, Staffordshire. Yeah. Well, I don't think wallabies would survive that well in this country anyway. Why not? I don't think wallabies would survive that long under a Tory government. (laughs) (laughs) Send them back to Australia. (laughs) Get them out. Downgrade their A-level results. (laughs) Don't let them stay in the country. We want them to focus on making Australia the best it can possibly be. Brian, have you got any like weird phantom creatures in the US that shouldn't be there, do you think? People. Yeah, <laughs> for everybody who lives here, for one. You got the uh, Sasquatch. We got Sasquatch and Bigfoot, which I think are supposed to be the same thing. Um, those those are like the main ones, but... Bigfoot's pretty sick. I'm in a city, so all we got is rats here and pigeons. <laughs> no, dude, rats are real. You should be afraid. Rats, rats don't exist. I, rats I, definitely no exist, way. my dude. They're not just like villains in Don Bluth movies. I've seen rats. Show me, show me a rat and then we'll talk. One day, Bran. I don't know if we have any cryptids here, any famous cryptids. I'm sure I've heard of Swedish cryptids. What's the difference between like cryptids and mythological creatures? So do those count as cryptids? Whether people think they're real or not. Hmm. Like people think cryptids still exist, whereas people don't think like myth creatures do. You've got the Sturjudurit. It looks like a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Lake monster. Well, everyone's got a Loch Ness monster. Everyone's got a lake monster. Sturjudurit. Yeah, this is just the uh, this is just the Loch Ness monster. What about Krampus? Does Krampus hang around in Sweden? No, that's a German. Damn. German encrypted. What's your favorite cryptid? I mean, Krampus is pretty high up there. Mothman. Mothman's the best. <laughs> that was so fast to Mothman. Yeah. Why? What does Mothman do? Because he's a moth and a man. <laughs> but moths aren't even that good, nor are men. Neither of those are are great on their own. But when you put them together, greater than the sum of its parts. <laughs> Emergent properties of the Mothman. I just like the idea of a Mothman. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't expect to have to explain this. 
My dad said that there used to be an ape that lived in Leeds. Does that count? <laughs> Do you remember a, a while back when Monster Hunter World came out? Um, Capcom ran like a promotion to if you found real life cryptids, they'd pay you money. Oh, yeah. What? I about that. I didn't know about that. That's sick. When Monster Hunter World came out, Capcom offered to pay people money for um, evidence of real-life cryptids. Mm. People are constantly hunting for cryptids anyway. It's not yeah. like if they ever found Bigfoot, they're going to be like, oh yeah, I gotta call Capcom about this. <laughs> well, no, if someone found Bigfoot and they call Capcom and they're like, I found this because of you. How much money are we talking, though? They're like, here's $5. Uh, no, it was like $1,000, I think. Oh, shit. It's not even that much. There was a species of deer found in, like, uh, somewhere near China. I, I don't know if it was China or, or, you know, it was a country around there that um, was previously thought to be a cryptid or, like, not, not a real thing. And people have actually found it now. And it's just a, a weird type of deer that are really sort of private. So people don't really see them very often. I'm going oh, to really cool. look it up. I feel like that's like one of the few instances of that. Like I always hear about cryptids, but I never hear about them being like discovered. Things aren't as cool once you know about them. When the British first colonized Australia, they thought the platypus wasn't real. They thought it was taxidermy, didn't they? A naturalist brought it back to England and they didn't believe him. Like he showed a, a dead platypus and they said, oh no, you just taxidermied some pieces <laughs> of other animals together. That's not yeah. a real animal. You're bullshitting. Like the jackalope. The jackalope's quite a good one. To be honest, I would say the same. I'd be like, that's made up. I haven't seen a platypus in real life. It may not exist, honestly. I've seen video footage of platypuses. Mm. Yes. Video editing software is very powerful. Don't believe in it with illnesses with your eyes. Um, so the the thing I was talking about is called the Asian unicorn or Saola. It's found in Vietnam and La Laos. 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 It was discovered in 1992, uh, but there had been reports of it sort of for years before that. Um, and I bet there's loads of bugs and stuff like that, though, isn't there? Because they're so small, people are people find new insect species all the time, don't they? And they're yes. not like, oh, it's a cryptid. Most insect species are actually undiscovered. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Rayman, because I've I've had a. I've had a terrible experience with Rayman, <laughs> and I just want to get it off my chest. So can you explain the full circumstances of why you ended up playing Rayman? Yes. While you were playing Earthworm Jim, which we'll also talk about uh, today, Moogle said that uh, he would stop calling me bad at video games for six months if I beat Rayman without cheating. I think this came up because you said it was hard and I was like, Rayman's not that hard. I played it as a kid and it wasn't that bad. And you were like, no, you don't understand. You got to Bandland and quit. Everyone got to Bandland and quit. Um, so I got to Bandland and quit as a child. Catsman got to Bandland and quit as a child. Moogle did. My friend Tom, who I've spoken to about this, did. Mitch did. Everybody who came into the comments on that stream and talked to us did. Yeah, like, I have not talked to anyone who got any further than Bandland as a child um, playing Rayman. But I didn't realize this at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'll take you up on your offer. Like if Moogle stops calling me bad at video games for six months, I'm down for that. Um, so I started playing Rayman. Specs, if you stream Rayman 1 and you beat it without cheating in any way, Ooh, that's a I will order. stop saying that you're bad at video games for six months. <laughs> Only for six months. Six months from the date that he beats it, I will stop saying that he's bad at video games. 
I should probably frame this by saying Rayman Rayman has a number of reasons that it's uh, a completely unfair game. The first is that it lulls you into a false sense of security in the first world because everything is like happy-go-lucky and it's all green and it's not that difficult. And then it drops Bandland on you and then it drops like everything else on you and it's like, well, shit. I've already used all my continues, so now I've got to grind for 20 minutes to get lives whenever I go start a new level, because otherwise I'm just going to lose all my lives in this level. All the resources in the game are finite and non-replenishable, and if you lose a life anywhere, that's it, the life is gone forever. Yeah, so there's one level that you can grind about one life every two minutes in, um, which I made heavy use of and probably did grinding for over 70 lives in my entire playthrough, I'd say. (laughs) Rayman's got this problem where, one, you have to collect every collectible to be able to complete the game. And the game doesn't tell you this. Even when you get to the last level, the game doesn't say, go get all the, uh, what are they called, electoons to unlock the last level. It just drops you back on the world map with no idea why you can't fight the final boss. The electoons are often hidden out of sight, and sometimes completely invisible, and you have to stand in a certain space on the level in order to just ra- like randomly spawn an Electune chest, and sometimes it's really weird places you've got to stand to do them. Also invisible, and sometimes only a few pixels in size. Yes, exactly. Yeah, sometimes there's little shiny bits that you, you can see you need to stand there, but most of the time it's just like, you just have to know which pixel to stand on. Sometimes you will stand on something that will just spawn an enemy like centimeters away from your face. Um, So the game expects you to have godlike reactions or just to learn everything through trial and error, which is going to take a bunch of lives before you like you actually get to it. The bosses all have patterns that change throughout the fight that are not telegraphed. So the first time you get to the next phase of a boss fight, you will like just instantly die because you won't know what the boss is going to do. One of the bosses starts off the fight by hitting you before the like the curtain is even up on the fight so that you know the boss fight's about to start. It's just it's, it's bullshit. It was a bullshit game and I completed it but it was like torture. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got some quotes. I'm making some highlights so people can watch my playthrough of Rayman, but uh, I've got some quotes from me and Catsman here. Um, <laughs> Catsman said, I respect Rayman, but it's like respecting the craftsmanship of a cruise missile heading directly towards your house. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I I responded with, yep, it's like respecting some form of torture. Because uh, some, some forms of torture are quite inventive, um, but uh, that doesn't make them any less brutal. Uh, it's like an abusive relationship is one thing we said, uh, that um, you're not really told what you're doing wrong or why you're doing it wrong, but you're just, you're just p- picked up on every little thing that you're doing wrong by the game. And it, it never gives, it just always takes. My favourite thing was the final levels just introducing new mechanics. Oh, I completely forgot, yeah. Right at the end, so that like it was like just sliding level, so you were skiing the whole time, and you had yep. to like jump at very specific points so that you had the momentum to get back up the next hill, otherwise you would just slide back down holes and shit. Yeah. And then it was like... 
backwards controls after that, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. So the the second from last level in the game, the game just starts you off by swapping your controls. So left is right and right is left. (laughs) And this is for like the very last level. And very good. Then right at the end of that level, just as you're about to walk off a platform, it reverses your controls again. So like you almost fall down a hole (laughs) without any warning or anything. There's no cue. It just goes ping and you start walking the other way. Uh, And then it becomes an auto runner for a bit as well. Then there's the like Shadow Mario chasing you segment. Yes, yeah, there's a Shadow Mario chases you. And unlike in Mario Galaxy, where you take one damage from Shadow Mario, it just kills you instantly if if Shadow Rayman hits you. Yeah. Yeah. I would not recommend for anyone to play Rayman. (laughs) Honestly, like the first stream, I was like, I kind of enjoy this. And then the second one, it was so soul destroying that it actually made me sad, even (laughs) anticipating doing another one. And I wasn't even playing it. But it's not just difficult or frustrating because like lots of games are difficult and frustrating in a fun way. It is actively soul destroying. It's actively unfair, definitely. It's like staring into a black hole. It looks quite nice, though. It's a very nice looking game. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. I think it looked good. I liked the pencil world. Pencil and rubbers. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah. Excuse me, Happy Man, that that game is no, maybe, gorgeous. No, I just think 90s mascot platformers are a bad genre with bad aesthetics that have no value whatsoever. I hate but all those games. All of them? You hate Rocket Knight Adventures? Fine, I don't hate all of them, but as a general rule... <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> what about Yo Noid, Willy? What about Yo Noid? That's, that's the first 80s, mascot platformer. <laughs> Yonoid is allowed, Rayman isn't. Oh, Rayman's bad, Crash Bandicoot's bad, Banjo-Kazooie's bad, Bubsy's bad, Sonic's bad. I'll give you all of those, but Rayman is not bad. Rayman also, like, that's part of the issue is it looks like a fun, sort of comfortable, friendly mascot platformer, and the difficulty is just brutal for a child, like, even for an adult. Even stuff like when you die you don't just lose your power-up. So Rayman's got three types of power-ups. He can make his fist faster, he can make his fist more powerful, and he can increase his max health, which are things you can pick up in the levels. If you die, you lose all of those things. Mm. You also lose any tings you've acquired. Tings are like gold coins in Mario, in that like you get a hundred of them and they give you an extra life. If you die and you're at ninety-nine tings, you lose all ninety-nine of those tings. Mm. So it's not like you can even gain those lives back easier. It's just mean spirited. Yeah. Wasn't it on here where we talked about, I can't remember what game it was, but the designers said that they were told by the executives to make the game harder to increase rental value? Oh, that's um, Jungle Book. Or Lion King. Oh. No, sorry, Lion King, yes. Kids will rent it again if it's so difficult they can't beat it. But you, you thought that Rayman was made in such a way that they didn't realize it was hard, right? I th- Yeah, I think they they uh, only playtested the first world. So originally the first world was as difficult as the whole rest of the game and the playtesters played that far and they were like, okay, we'll change it. Maybe. <laughs> they just didn't change the rest of the game. The weird thing is as well, the climax of the game, fighting Mr. Dark, who's been like the antagonist that's introduced at the start of the game that you're trying to get to throughout the whole game you don't even really fight him uh as the final boss you fight like 
a weird amalgamation of all the previous bosses you fought and then you don't even see mr dark get defeated really and then the the final cutscene is just a load of fireworks going off while a voiceover says awesome yay awesome it's like you you beat the whole game and the final boss is a complete anti-climax and then there's a 10 second cutscene and it ends yeah it it left me feeling more upset that i'd beaten it than it (laughs) than it made me feel happy like i wasn't happy that i'd beaten it yeah it was just not nice if you're listening to this like haha rayman that sounds difficult i'll play it no don't Do not play Rayman. <laughs> don't play Rayman. Even the people who like Rayman don't actually like it. It's so weird that I don't know how it got another game. I don't know how Rayman became such a beloved character. It sold so much, that game. But how? Because it looks really nice. It's so weird. It's like... And then people must have wanted a second one, I guess. Like Rayman 2, though. Unironically great game. Yeah, Rayman 2 and 3 I really like. I wanted to talk about Rayman being bold as well. That was the other thing I wanted to talk about with Rayman. He was originally bold. Do you want to tell this story, Catsman? Rayman had a he was bald and he had a girlfriend who was extremely attracted to his shiny bald head. Um and then Rayman's hair is actually a parasitic life form that lives in his head and uh, his girlfriend left him when she noticed that he'd grown a full delightful head of hair that he could also use as a helicopter. Yeah. I thought it was that like they woke up and he suddenly had hair and she tried to attack him and then yeah. the then the parasite flew him away to protect itself. Yes, the parasite flew him away to protect itself. And yeah. he was like, well, I guess I'll just have this symbiotic relationship forever now. He was quite depressed about being bold from what I remember of this story when you told me before. <laughs> he was de- So he, he liked the fact that he got hair, but what would you rather have, an attractive girlfriend or an attractive head of hair? Hair. Hair easy. At least he can still make other men envy him when <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> what, when they're not observing urinal etiquette? <laughs> well, they've just got a... You've seen the advert for Rayman 3. They're all looking at his big dick. Plasma! Let's talk about Earthworm Jim instead. That's another mascot platformer. I hate that game too. I went into this believing that Earthworm Jim uh, would be good and would hold up, and it did not. I, re- I watched most of your stream. I missed like the first two levels and uh, every level Catsman would say, the next level will be good. I'm sure of it. And then he'd get to the next level and it- he'd say the same thing again right up <laughs> until the final boss. And then he decided that <laughs> Earthworm Jim is a good game, but none of the levels in it are good. <laughs> if it had different levels, it would be a good game, was what Catsman was saying. Yeah, pretty much. Did any of you play this this book club game, or was it just me who played Earthworm Jim? I watched you play it and not enjoy it, so I thought, why bother, <laughs> really? I mean, fair. I've played it in the past, but I never got anywhere. I've never played it. The thing about Earthworm Jim is that, like, you play the first level and you're like, great, this game's got, like, great satisfying action platform and play control. It's got great visuals. It's got great music. It's got, like, really characterful, uh, like, you know, character and enemy designs and all that. And it's fun. You're just running around and shooting stuff. And then every level has some kind of incredible, overbearing, over-the-top gimmick that consumes 
all of the gameplay and leaves absolutely no enjoyment. And it's like, if they'd just made it running and shooting, it would have been a good game. Do you just want it to be Mega Man? I Well, I just want the game to be good. So in terms of gimmick stuff, I remember seeing there's like a level where you're in a, a bathosphere thing. Yeah, there's like it's like there's a level where you're in a bathosphere and you have to go really f- like far underwater and it controls like shit. And if you touch any of the walls, then it breaks and you have to start over. There's a level uh, where a big monster chases you. And if you do the wrong thing, it just kills you instantly. There's a fucking like there's an escort mission there's an escort mission level where you have to like escort a guy and like whip him to make him go over pits and if you make a wrong move then he picks you up and takes you backwards through the level so you have to do it again and ship flies everywhere and you... oh god at, at the end of most levels you do like the final boss of crash 2 where you're chasing <laughs> neocortex every level has an annoying gimmick that isn't fun and ruins it. It's like all of the bad levels of a Mario game and none of the good ones. But it does look really nice. It looks really it's nice. It's got really good animation and it's kind of got a sense of humor. You launch a cow at the start of the game that doesn't land until like the very last cutscene, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. The humor is is great all the way through. I think it had some good ideas. There's interesting bits where like you leave your suit because Earthworm Jim is actually a worm and he... Wait, Earthworm Jim is a worm? Earthworm Jim is a worm in a suit and the suit is like a a mech suit. So you get out of the suit and just play as the worm for a bit in some places. And I I think they could have took that concept further because you just do some weird like lame platforming sections as the worm uh, while you wait to get back in your body. But they could have done something interesting with it, I think. He's a worm. <laughs> I think we should watch the Earthworm Jim cartoon at Get our next meet- meetup. No. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. No. We- Why next no? meetup. What's wrong? I hate Earthworm Jim. Why no, do you hate it? Go- you have like an irrational dislike of most things. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very rational. Aesthetic is really gross. <laughs> I hate how he looks. Why is it gross? He's a worm. A worm's gross? There's just this Ren and Stimpy type stink to him that I don't like. I can see that, actually. I can see that. Earthworm Jim for Smash. No. Yes. I'd be down. I've been asking for Earthworm Jim since Super Smash Bros. Brawl, and now I'm going to retract that because it's a bad game. <laughs> well, now now that you've retracted, they're going to add him. <laughs> yeah, his moveset is, would be really fun, though. Like He's got built-in yeah. moves for all of the like standard Smash Bros. moves. I think he could have a cool thing where his being up like launches him out of his suit and then you've got to get back in the suit. Yes. Like it'll spawn randomly and run around and do its own thing and then you, you've got to get back into it because you're really vulnerable. So I think he could be cool. But I don't think... I think Rayman is more likely for Smash than uh, Earthworm oh. Jim is. No, fuck Rayman. I want Earthworm Jim still. <laughs> I'll never have my Travis touchdown. I want Travis, yeah. I want to talk about Shigeru Miyamoto, um, just kind of in general, but also because I'm angry at him. (laughs) He threw a chair, yeah. I'm kind of angry at what he's done to Paper Mario, um, and the the blame cannot be entirely on him, but uh, I just wanted to talk about his... his anger towards story in video games, I guess, especially in Mario. And I think Bran feels kind of the same about Paper Mario, right? Yeah, yeah. Not as strongly as you because I don't have the same attachment, but I feel for fans of those of those games. Yeah. So 
Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door are a couple of my favorite RPG games ever. Um, they're probably the first JRPG type games I played other than Pokemon. And the combat system in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is still like the best JRPG combat system I've ever played, I think. Um, and the stories were fun and the characters were, were fun and interesting. And the reason the new Paper Mario games suck in part is because Miyamoto basically told the team, why are you putting a story in this Mario game? Like, ignoring the fact that it's an RPG, he said, Mario works fine without a story, so does it really need one? And then they didn't put a story in Sticker Star. It was just, go beat Bowser. And then Color Splash was a bit better, but I feel like the damage had already been done and they'd gone off in a terrible direction with the game. And Miyamoto still didn't want people like designing toads so that they looked like anything other than generic toad NPCs. It sounds like he just doesn't like JRPGs. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like Zelda, he's happy to have a story in, but it's just Mario that he's like against. I guess because Zelda is kind of like an adventure, right? Like... I don't know. No, it is just a weird thing about Mario that he has. The other thing is Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2. Like, he didn't like the fact that um, Koizumi had put in the Rosalina storyline in Mario Galaxy. That's so stupid. Because mm. it's like, it's not even like center, like focus. It's like tucked away yeah. in a lot. How much you want to bet it was like originally like front and center and then Miyamoto told him to get rid of it. And so he just hid it <laughs> away in the library without Miyamoto knowing. But that's what I do when someone says I shouldn't do something. Uh, I in in like papers and stuff. Instead of getting rid of it, I just hide it in an appendix. Nobody ever reads those. <laughs> well, I've I've heard reports that Koizumi worked like under cover of darkness while nobody was around <laughs> to write the storybook and get it implemented in the game. Um, but uh, I I can't really find a source on that. I do remember reading that. So Miyamoto said of uh, Galaxy Two, like yeah, there was a story in Galaxy 1, but I've told Koizumi he's not allowed to do that for this game. <laughs> We're not having any story. I feel like it gets in the way of the fun and action of the Mario world if you try and explain anything about the characters. Which I think's just... There's no context for anything you ever do in Mario games, really. Like, if you think about Mario 64, for instance, like, you know that you're in the castle to save the princess, but you don't know, like, that. this is why Mario has deepest lore, because people have to, like, come up with weird <laughs> fan theories as to, like, how Bowser made the worlds in the paintings. Are they even real worlds? Like, wh <laughs> where did all of this stuff come from? Because none of it's explained in the game, like, how any of it works or anything. Even, like, Mario Brothers 1, like, it's, why is Bowser stolen Peach? Like, why any of it? You don't get a good feel for that in any mario game really yeah i agree they should give uh they should give mario to a serious developer like ninja theory who can really explain the, all the story elements i don't think it needs that much but it, it'd be a bit it'd be nice to have a way to flesh out the characters a bit more which is what paper mario was good at doing like it gave character to the characters in the in the mario world like bowser's always got a really fun personality in uh, the mario rpg yeah. games and in mario and luigi superstar saga as well um but now they're not allowed to make sort of oc toads or or flesh out the characters um or anything they said in a a more recent interview about origami king 
Since Paper Mario Sticker Star, it's no longer possible to modify Mario characters or create original characters that touch on the Mario universe. That means if we aren't using Mario characters for bosses, we need to create original characters with designs that won't involve the Mario universe at all, like a stationary set hmm. or a roll of tape. This this isn't my pet game, so I don't have such strong opinions about it. But the the story thing is a problem with those games. But the the complete stripping of any kind of RPG element of it also is, I think, a big problem. Like no leveling system. Like it's yeah. That I feel like that is yeah. a larger problem with how the game actually feels to play. Yeah, is definitely. It, it's not rewarding. But yeah, because like he in a way. He is right. Like, who gives a shit about the plot of Mario games, really? And when it's done well, I care. But when it came when it came to those ones, like Thousand Year Door, like it was fun to have it there. So I don't see the problem in having it. But like for normal ones, I can understand it. Not really. Yeah, I I I feel like there's enough story or enough direction in the platformers that I'm quite happy. Like, but I, while yeah. I like the Rosalina sto- storybook element of Mario Galaxy One, like the game is still fun without it. It yeah. doesn't yeah, add yeah. too much. I think it comes down to the fact that those ones are kind of more action and movement focused. Whereas if you're already playing an RPG, which is mostly about like menus and moves and like picking your moves and just numbers and shit rather than i'm gonna run and jump it needs a little bit more going on because otherwise it's just a kind of flat experience yeah Yeah. it's just you walking through a series of worlds yeah yeah turn-based rpgs without stories are dismal it would be like playing an adventure game without a story yeah there's no point whatsoever yeah you may as well play a card game and Although they've tried to do things to make the new games like humorous and stuff and work with the material they've got, like, I don't give a shit about any of these toads that all look exactly the same. And when you meet a character who's supposed to be like an archaeologist toad and he looks exactly the same as all the other ones, it's like, why didn't you give him like a hat or, yeah. or something? What happened to Toadsworth? What happened he to Professor Egadge? Oh, Egadge's fine. Egadge was in Luigi's Mansion 3, wasn't he? Yeah, he's still fine. Toadsworth hasn't been seen in like like ten years, I think. Though Toadsworth died. Yeah. Toadsworth has been fried, man. <laughs> He's on a pizza in someone's stomach somewhere. Forcing everyone to be on model, yeah, that hurts it a lot because you don't remember this. You may not remember the plot of Paper Mario that well, but everyone remembers the characters. Like, yeah, the companions in the first two games are really memorable. Yeah. yeah. The other weird thing is that they have to be Mario World characters, and like, there's loads of weird and interesting character designs from like Mario 64 through to Odyssey, and they're not allowed to use them. There's like Charge and Chuck, Toad, Yoshi, like, just only those. There's so much more expanded Mario Universe stuff that they haven't used, like um, Piantas from uh, from Sunshine that were in um, uh, Thousand Year Door as well. Yeah, they were TTYD. None of the Mario Sunshine, 64, Odyssey, or Galaxy enemies are in Paper yeah. Mario. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Even stuff like Biddy Buddies that are from like mario 3d world and like those ostrich things and and stuff they added in that they're not even there in each paper mario since sticker star it's been the same set of enemies and um background npcs and stuff like they've not added any new ones from any of the newer games it's really just bland it's just bland um it feels like there's a creative vision here that's kind of just getting like stifled like 
I, I hate imposing arbitrary rules onto a developer like this. Like, I'm I'm less peeved about like the story because like that's the the direction that they want to go in, and that's fine. But like, they're being told explicitly, like, hey, you can't make characters like this, which is like a huge shame because I'm sure they want to. They even I think set a record that they've like pushed it as close as they can against like the wall. Yeah like that Nintendo provides which is like why why do you do this like I don't understand like what do you benefit from this just being able to put the toads in different outfits like would do a lot to help with the characterization of them and they just aren't allowed it's just such a strange mandate to set on the developers I see well I think it's just a lost cause let's just give up yeah I, I want to talk about some other weird stuff about Miyamoto though because while okay. I've been researching this I've been looking at other things um, there is something I need to bring up now okay. about Miyamoto has anyone seen this article about Goldeneye did you send me this? I was just about to say about this, yes. Yeah, so- Basically, Miyamoto dropped in on Rare and looked at what they were doing with Goldeneye, and he was like, there's too much killing and it's horrible. He said this to like the game's lead designer, and he said uh, he felt the game was too tragic with all the killing, and he thought it might be nice if at the end of the game you got to shake hands with all your enemies in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Does Mario shake hands with the Goombas in the hospital? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, because they don't have hands. Also, I mean, he just kills them outright and they disappear, so... But yeah, I th- really like this idea, and I think it would be perfect in Goldeneye. You should have law- lawyer guy do that. Look, James Bond is a horrible man, and I just think it would endear me to him a lot more if he went to the hospital and shook hands with all of his enemies. And was like, look, no hard feelings. I shot you, but you're here now. I feel like if they actually implemented it, like we would all like think it's great because it's like funny. But I th- Miyamoto is probably being like genuinely like... <laughs> yeah. oh, like yeah serious about it and probably like all of, all of like when he suggested all of his all of like the uh the rare staff were probably like, like oh like haha funny and he's like no i'm being serious yeah <laughs> it's japanese media in general is like ah we beat up this guy so much and blood came everywhere and his arm came off but don't worry he's just in a hospital covered in bruises and he'll be fine like it's <laughs> you can show as much violence as you like as long as you don't imply that the guy actually died yeah have we talked about the donkey kong 64 story on here with the gun Go on. Oh, oh yes. yeah, I forgot about this. Tell it. What's this? Tell it. Same thing. Mario, uh, Miyamoto drops in on Rare while they're working on Donkey Kong 64 to consult on them. And they show him the game. It's like, have finished. <clears throat> so there are still a bunch of, uh, what do you call them, developer textures like in place? Placeholder models. Like unfinished models. They show Miyamoto, like, DK64, DK running around the world. Miyamoto's into it. And then he pulls out the gun. It's not the finished coconut gun. It's a reused (laughs) model from Goldeneye. So Miyamoto, with a horrified expression, watches as DK pulls out a real shotgun and starts (laughs) shooting. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, Apparently, uh, when... Argonaut were working on Star Fox as well. Miyamoto just used to come into their office, light up a smoke, and like stand at the back of the room and talk shit about random stuff. Like he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't look at like they they've said they would be working on implementing something and try and show him, and he'd just like start talking about trees while he was having a smoke. And they 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 said like, oh, it's um, 
it's interesting to see like how his mind works like clearly he's thinking about a lot of different things uh, a lot of different times and that's how he can be so creative but like that's a very flattering way of putting it yeah <laughs> so they they they, would, they just smell cigarette smoke and they'd be like oh miyamoto's here again <laughs> he did the same thing with retro studios when they were working on metroid prime he would just come in and talk shit about it <laughs> They were working in like the a random. They'd just been jammed into like a random room at Nintendo, right? And it was like the one of the rooms that people were allowed to smoke in. I think. Yeah, yeah. So it was the only place Miyamoto was allowed to smoke in the office, <laughs> which is why he'd go there and he'd just try and like talk to them about random stuff. That's probably how he got the producer credit on that game. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. the producer can't mean anything. Exactly. Well, Miyamoto's producer on everything, and I don't think he, yeah. he's done anything in about a decade. So I want to delve into this a bit, because Koizumi said in an interview um, what, shortly after Galaxy came out, um, he talked a bit about how Miyamoto directs or produces games, and basically, like, Miyamoto will just pose questions to developers, and they will have to make a game based on it. So... <laughs> You know how the idea of Mario Galaxy was basically like spherical worlds and like planetoids? Mm. Um, so that came about just because for years and years since like the development of Mario 64, Miyamoto had just been saying to Koizumi, I want to make a game where Mario is on spherical worlds. And that was like the entire direction for the game, basically. So Miyamoto just keeps saying it and Apparently what happens is Miyamoto tells Koizumi to do something or like says, I want th this sort of thing to happen. And then Koizumi goes to the developers and says, okay, I've got like three ideas for what Miyamoto might want. Let's do those and then I'll go back to him and see what he says. And then he'll say some other cryptic bullshit. And then like Koizumi will have to try and implement that. And he <laughs> says like... Miyamoto will send him emails with everyone in the office CC'd in and nobody understands what Miyamoto is talking about and Koizumi just kind of has to interpret it to uh, <laughs> like make sense of it because Miyamoto doesn't use subject headings he doesn't like give any context for what he's talking about he will just like say stuff and then it feels less like Miyamoto is directing the game and more like he just says things and hopes the team makes something good and then he's like, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Miyamoto is like a prophet, but he can't like explicitly say what he wants, so he has to like, he has to like give hints and, and try to like poke them in the right direction. Or he's just good at delegating. Yeah. Well, Koizumi says he like he thinks that sometimes Miyamoto doesn't even know what he himself wants, so he just leaves it up to the team to work it out. Sounds a lot like Vince McMahon, honestly. Yeah, it's it's weird to think that, and I'm I bet like Miyamoto does some good directing as well. But the way this interview is worded, and it's from like 2007, it just makes it sound like Miyamoto kind of comes up with an idea and then just like. Like Matt Dodds, he'll draw a picture <laughs> of Lawyer Guy on a napkin, give it to Catsman, and leave him to work on it for the next five years. That's Miyamoto's directing strategy. It's I like, asked Dodds what kind of game he envisioned Lawyer Guy to be, and he said it would be an open-world lawyering simulator. And I said, I can't make that. Can I just make it a 2D platformer? And he said, eh. <laughs> I had no idea this was Dodds' concept, but that makes a lot of sense. If you watch the credits from Lawyer Guy, it says, uh, based on a napkin doodle by Matt Dodds. 
the only other thing that's a story that Moogle wanted to tell about um, Miyamoto is when he saw the first prototype build of Breath of the Wild, he went and started climbing trees. And um, for like an hour, Miyamoto just climbed up and down trees in Breath of the Wild. And Aonuma said to him, Mr. Miyamoto, do you want to go do other things? There's shrines you can check out and like there's puzzles you can solve. And Miyamoto didn't even respond and just kept climbing trees. And apparently Aonuma was like, well, yeah, we put some rupees and things to collect in the trees, but he really liked climbing the trees. And that that Miyamoto's reaction apparently told them they'd made a good game because if he can have that much fun climbing trees for an hour then clearly they've done something right <laughs> it just sounds like Miyamoto's a bit loopy <laughs> he's been in the game industry for 30 plus years so yeah almost 40 problem is he's un- he's unfireable there's nothing he could do that would make them fire him other than drugs so what are you gonna do apparently they they stopped him from walking or cycling to work in case he like gets hit by a car so they they <laughs> send him a car around to pick him up from work and stuff Damn. We have to stop putting Miyamoto's name on things if he gets hit by a bus. Also, he has a really funny hobby. Like, his his hobbies influence his game work. So, uh, Nintendogs came about the fact that he and his family had bought a dog. Um, and then Nintendogs and cats, presumably, because he got a cat as well. <laughs> like, he... He, um... He made Wii Fit because he went through a midlife crisis and like stopped smoking and got in shape. And he used to meticulously record all of his weights. He'd weigh himself like twice a week and like he'd have wall charts. And his family found it really funny. So he was like, I bet I can make a game out of that, out of like people weighing themselves. And that's how Wii Fit came about. Um, Mario 64, he'd become like quite a... um, dedicated swimmer which is why he put so much effort into like the swimming levels in mario 64 uh pikmin because of gardening apparently nintendo has to stop miyamoto from talking to people about his hobbies in case they steal his game ideas (laughs) um but his best hobby that I think I've seen go into a game, but that that isn't really well known is um, he carries a tape measure with him wherever he goes, and he guesses the size of objects and then measures them to see if he got it right. <laughs> Amazing! If you remember my um, my Switch preview uh, where I talked about one two Switch, um, the how many balls in the box concept is very like that to me. The like thing where. Um, HD Rumble lets you feel how many ice cubes in a glass and stuff. It's very like Miyamoto measuring things, but I don't know if that's just me putting things together. He sounds like a weird man. He does. I like it. I think it's funny, but he needs to stop sticking his nose in like or it doesn't belong RPGs. Yeah, make your platformer with no story. That's fine. Just don't fuck up my RPG series, Miyamoto. Why is Yoshi called Yoshi? Have you ever thought about that? Because that's what he says. It's so that people can go, yo, she. <laughs> but like, none of the other characters in Mario have like overly Japanese sounding names. Because like, you know, it won't sell to Americans. Because in, in 1985, it reminded them of World War Two and, and those damn Japanese who they had to go to war with. So, it, you know, it always got changed. Uh, what, look, what I'm saying is, if I... If I was localizing Mario World, I wouldn't have called him Yoshi. I would have called him like Daniel. 
Lickety D dinosaur. <laughs> Lickety D. Fun fact: They were originally in the states going to call him Yashua. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. Did... <laughs> Good, you shouldn't. You know Lakitu. Hmm. Um, Lakitu is not Lakitu's Japanese name. Uh, Lakitu is actually called Jugamu in Japanese. I don't know why they bothered changing it because Lakitu sounds Japanese to me. So. A lot of like enemies have different names in Japan. Like even Bowser, like they don't call him Bowser, they just call him Koopa. Koopa. Well Bowser is a plum is an obscure plumbing related bit of wordplay, I think. I don't know. Yeah, uh, and Goomba is a they're called chestnut in um in Japanese, like Kuribo, aren't they? But go- Kuribo, yeah. Go- Goomba is a um Italian word meaning like bastard or something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, you bastard! Get over here! I'm gonna squash you! <laughs> I want you to meet my pal, Lickety D Dinosaur! <laughs> <laughs> bing, bing! Wahoo! Next thing, next thing. Well, while we're, while we're doing impressions of uh, Mario, um, I released Super Mario 64, the lost localization recently, uh, and it was uploaded to romhacking.net where it got uh, about 300 downloads, I think, um, in its first uh, day of being up there, and then was harshly taken down by romhacking.net, who cannot take a joke. Um, So, uh, yeah, it it was taken down because... uh, the description said that it was a beta version of Mario 64 that had been found in someone's <laughs> attic. And clearly it was a joke project. Like, you cannot view it without seeing that it is a joke. Um, from the first moment it starts up and he goes, Hey, it's me, Mario! Um, but uh, then I re-uploaded it, explained that it was a joke, and they took it down again on the grounds that they don't allow joke rom hacks on romhacking.net, and also you're not allowed to have references to politics, and because Obama <laughs> is in it, um, <laughs> we, we renamed Cooper the Quick to Barack Obama, and uh, they took it down for that be- because it referenced him. Also, something about sexual innuendo, but I don't think there's actually any of that in the rom no, hack. No, there's, there's no innuendo in that hack. That's entirely on them, them seeing the innuendo where it doesn't exist. Didn't you call it Chip Off Womp's Cock? That's not innuendo. That's legitimate. <laughs> that's just what you do in that level. Um, but if you'd like to play Super Mario 64, the lost localization. Uh, there's links to it on my YouTube channel and on the GLA YouTube channel, and I'll leave a link in the description. But uh, you can patch your own ROM, and I'd like to say it's quite funny. Yeah, talk to the toads. <laughs> yeah. Um, we put a lot of effort into it. It was a big project that took me months. Far more than we thought it would or that it probably deserved. Yeah, so it started off as a ROM hack um, and then we gradually expanded with Feature Creep to the point where it became uh, a game that I rebuilt from the decompiled source code of Mario 64 with new models, new textures, all the dialogue rewritten in the game, new sound effects for every Mario and Peach sound effect, a uh, new sound effect for Yoshi, um, and I had to actually bug fix some areas of the game because they didn't work right uh, for me trying to lower the volume in certain sections so so you could like hear Mario better. The game's code is a mess in places, uh, but, you know, it works, so... 
It just doesn't work if you're trying to rewrite it. Wahoo! Mario 64 source code analysis. Yeah, I've seen worse. There's a lot of interesting like hacks coming out now that people have got their hands on the source code, and I look forward to playing some really janky-looking like HD remasters of Mario 64 in the near future. There is one that someone made that has all the graphics restored, not restored, but like made up as if they are the graphics on the SGI workstations yes. that Nintendo used at the time, and it actually looks really cool. Yeah, I'm gonna play that at some point. There's like people have done AI upscaling algorithms on all the textures people have put in like modern mario models um all sorts of things there's one guy who's working on a mod that makes every texture into one from doom (laughs) people are making a metroid prime game in the mario 64 engine is one thing i've seen recently (laughs) that's kind of sick yeah it's like they've got a working first person view with a with a cannon metroid prime we could talk about as news as well oh metroid prime Prime 4 has just hired a new lead developer. Producer. They haven't hired one. They haven't, they haven't, they list, they, they they've listed, they've listed that they need yeah. one. It's not, it doesn't say lead developer, it just says producer. Yeah. It's lead, lead producer. Is it lead producer? It is yeah. lead producer. Oh, fuck. That's even worse. When did just... they announce it? Was it 2017? It was like the E3 after the Switch came out. Uh, when so the Switch came out in March 2017. Then there was that huge E3 where they announced a bunch of shit and they announced Prime 4. Then what was it? Last year they announced that they restarted development and that it's going to retro. I think it was early last year. I think it was early 2019. Now all we're hearing is that they keep hiring new people for the project, which is not a great sign when it's probably over a year in development again now. Yeah. A year of development like from scratch is probably like not a lot like they could they could have spent this time just making like they're probably making like a new engine for it and like new assets. So they might not even have a clear direction for the game yet. So like getting a producer now is probably not the end of the world. I'm I'm not liable to speculate. I find it really weird that Nintendo, like some of their series, they like gave one iteration of it to a Western developer, and now they never want to develop it internally ever again. Like Donkey Kong's the same. Yeah. When was the last time Nintendo made a Metroid game like themselves? It was probably like Fusion, right? Other M. Better talk about. No, that was made by Team Ninja. Yeah, good point. No, that uh, only the cutscenes in that game were by Team Ninja. Everything that's bad about that game is by Nintendo. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought they worked on the gameplay as well. Yeah. No, Team Ninja only only did like the visuals in the cutscenes. They didn't even like write or direct any of it particularly. Oh wow! Okay, that explains so I much no more idea. about why it was bad to play. The guy who directed Metroid just lost it like ten times harder than Miyamoto. Yeah, how do you go from Super Metroid to that? Like, <laughs> it's the same guy. Yeah. What the fuck happened to him? It's well, I mean, you say it's the same guy, but then Tim Schafer made Broken Age, so. You just lose your touch, you know. The, the game game development and game design has moved on so much from when Super Metroid came out. Like, he's just not with it anymore. But, like, some of it is, like, a game developer loses their touch and some of it is, like, game development is such hell to work in that people just get really burned out and aren't able to create like they used to be able to. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel it's more than just being worn out in terms of like Sakamoto how he decided to characterize Samus. Like it just flipped a switch from she needs to be a silent mysterious heroine to she needs to be my demure waifu like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were worrying signs of that cuz Sakamoto worked on Tomodachi Life as well and when they were um doing the promotional materials for it, he was in a relationship 
relationship with Samus oh, in God. like the <laughs> promotional <laughs> materials. Like he, oh, I don't, no. I don't think he was even in a relationship with her. I think his me was stalking her me, and like. <laughs> It was it was weird, but this it, guy needs to go. Oh my god! It's like that Powerpuff Girls writer who like <laughs> self-inserted himself into the new like series of Powerpuff Girls as Blossom's boyfriend. That's so funny to me that no one stopped him. No one said no. How? Thanks for bringing back that that memory that was buried somewhere deep inside my subconscious. It is perfectly acceptable for me, the writer of this show, to put myself in it dating a kindergartner. Like dating a child? Yeah. God. Why did no one said no? Do we want to play the game that I have envisioned for this podcast? Please. Uh, yes, but only if it doesn't go on for an hour. There's been too much information. I want to do something that's fun. We'll do a quick one. So um, I've got the ideas wiki here. Now, the ideas wiki is basically just a Wikipedia that people write their ideas for TV shows, games, films, like anything in. And similar to how we did with the, the Sully cinematic universe, I just want people to kind of hit random until they find something funny and then like share it with the class. We can do this with either the ideas wiki or the games ideas wiki so which one would you prefer should we do games specific games ideas uh all right let's go from top to bottom cats man you got anything good rage comics versus capcom dumb bitch <laughs> oh. all the guy has listed is the characters that he wants in it so the capcom characters are ryu chun li batsu x zero morrigan tron bon phoenix right etc etc you get the idea yep. the rage comic characters are derp derpina Herp, herpina, derpet, like a sir, etc. Forever alone guy, herp derp, troll dad, and the Reddit alien. Um, I also like a suggestion by is that by a guy called Sam Imbecile? Um, Super Smash Bros. Four remake, a remake of Super Smash Brothers Four <laughs> with less characters than Ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> Available for Xbox One, PS4, 3DS, Vita, Android, and iOS. <laughs> Remake for 3DS? <laughs> that game's already on 3DS. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I've got one. This, uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read the whole thing because it's really short. It's called uh, Penalty Shooters, <laughs> and here's the explanation. You choose the country you want, then you start the game, then you enter the team you want, then the match begins. The game is played with the mouse. When you hit a region, there will be a goal or not. <laughs> then you will go to the castle. And that's it. To the castle? <laughs> yeah! I've got someone's OC. Uh, basically, they have um, replaced Conker of uh, Conker's Pocket Tales, Con Conker's Bad Fur Day fame, with a character called Cheyenne. And she debuted in Cheyenne's Pocket Tales in 2004. I'm going to link this because they've got art of her. Oh, no. Yes. So um, Cheyenne's voiced by Juliette Lewis in Cheyenne's Bad Fur Day, that very popular game that exists. Although the first game in the series is family-friendly geared towards children, uh, it's noted in later games it includes strong blood, graphic violence, toilet humor, which actually conquers Bad Fur Day house, toilet-related injuries and deaths, sexual innuendo, swearing, and several film parodies. Um, basically, this talks about how she's an alcoholic, and that's like her personality. Quite funny. But the first game is family 
friendly. Yeah, well, that's that is that tracks with Conker's Pocket Tales is a family friendly Conker game, and then oh, there was a Conker game before Bad Fur Day. Yeah, it was yeah. on the Game Boy Color. I had it. It was shit. <laughs> the the original Conker's Bad Fur Day was supposed to be called Conker's Twelve Tales, and was supposed to be a more family friendly platformer. But the guys at Rare got pissed off at making family friendly platformers, so they decided to like go full satire with it, and they turned this like really friendly character into just what conquer became as well as the side at the time and this person's leveled it up and made his uh made his fur girlfriend instead as you do as you do why not i like that he chose voice actors for her as well going as far ahead as 2026 for the future games that are coming out <laughs> this character is seven foot five tall and <laughs> wait, she weighs six, six foot, six. foot six yeah <laughs> <laughs> How much you weigh? Oh, I don't know, about six foot six? About six as six. much as six feet. <laughs> Dislikes. Enemies. Yeah, same dude. So do I. Kill Ballad Online, and they've <laughs> given the Japanese for it as well, is a first-person arena fighter developed by Platinum Games, Nitro Plus, and Capcom, published by 5PB, Bandai Namco Entertainment, and Sega, and distributed by Sony Computer Entertainment under the PlayStation mobile banner for iOS and Android. Like, they've just gone... Which which developers have I heard of that make combat-oriented games? Uh, let's just put all of those in, and then, yep, uh, here's some publishers I've heard of. Um, so, not only is this an arena fighter, but it's for mobile specifically. It's directed by Hideki Kamiya. Of course. As it would be, of course, being a Platinum game. Um, and it plays like a combination of Anarchy Reign, Vanquish, and Mobile Suit Gundam Bounds. There's there's no details of how it plays really or anything. It's just like I think it would be cool if there was a game that combined these other games that are all made by Platinum. That's called just another Platinum game that already exists. Yeah. I want you guys to tell me uh what characters you would have in a PlayStation All-Stars racing. Crash, Spyro, Spike. Mostly just those to be honest. Sly Cooper, Jack, and or Daxter. A Colossus from Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Accurate size. <laughs> <laughs> Cole McGrath and evil Cole McGrath. Okay, I'm just gonna just gonna crush your dreams by telling you who this who this person has picked. Master Onion. Sack Boy. Yep. Sack Girl. Yep. Clive Handforth. Who? Clive Handforth. Who's that? Who? Clive Handforth. <laughs> Ling Zhu. Jin Kazama. Who? Riku, Tidus, Wacker, Jack and Daxter, Kira, don't know who that is, Nathan Drake, Paul Poe, Fat Princess, and Dig Dug. Dig Dug? I'm assuming that Kira refers to refers to Death Note, and Paul Poe refers to the fat character from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> Golden Wind. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Kira is grouped with Jack and Daxter, so I don't know. I didn't play those games. Might be Jack's mate. I can't remember. I hope they were thinking about like Death Note Kira. That would be very funny to just insert that amongst all the other ones. It's tagged as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, so... Uh. Yep, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character. Why not? Just in there with all the PlayStation characters. Why not? Oh, it's Yoshikage. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's the guy who masturbated to Mona Lisa's hands. <laughs> what? Of course. There's <laughs> this character who's like, he's got a fetish for hands. He's the bad guy in uh, in part 
four must be part four yeah and so he like he kills women and and chops off their hands but he tells about how he first discovered his fetish and um he says uh when i saw the mona lisa for the first time i got a boner (laughs) boner lisa the boner lisa Lisa. (laughs) willie what you got for us sega jupiter the Sega Jupiter is a cartridge-based console made by Sega. It is basically a Sega Saturn without the CD drive. <laughs> Release date, August 17th, 1995. Units sold, 3 million units sold. Discontinued, July 2nd, 1997. So, in this guy's fantasy about an alternate Sega console, Sega is still in decline in the mid-90s and doesn't sell any units. <laughs> it's got a list of games that's basically just games that were on the Saturn, like Daytona and the Knights, so... I like that he imagined a less popular, less good Sega Saturn. <laughs> the end of the Super Smash Bros. world. Description, it a game for a last Smash Bros. Carrot Curse. Uh, <laughs> Mario Luigi Peace Bowser. Wario, Mona Pizza, Shark King, Captain Syrup, which I agree with. I want Captain Syrup. Uh, Yoshi, Brido. Brido. <laughs> uh, Pokemon series Pikachu, Pokemon Trainer with Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard. And then Team Rocket, which with Meowth, Coughing, and Ekans, which isn't actually the worst idea I've heard of. And finally, uh, YouTube Ultimate Smackdown. This one sucks ass. Yeah. It features a cast of popular YouTubers played by themselves and turned into cute, chibi, Scott Pilgrim-like versions of themselves. Mm. Default characters. Annoying Orange. Orange attacks by spitting seeds, summoning his friends, and just annoying the hell out of you. <laughs> There's a bunch of people here I don't know, but PewDiePie. Pewds oh. attacks with bros and video game controllers. <laughs> Ultimate move. Slender Man will stare at the enemy and damage petrify them. Epic Mealtime. Epic Mealtime uses a water bottle, a cucumber, and a burger to fight for him. That's a lie. They never use vegetables in anything. (laughs) He mainly stands on the stage, but occasionally floats on a floating platform in the background on stages with little solid ground. Ultimate move calls in the gang to unleash a storm of food. Okay. (laughs) Tay Sunday. Tay attacks using musical notes, sound waves, his hat, and uses his soothing voice to lull his enemies to sleep. Mm-hmm. Ultimate attack summons a storm of chocolate rain that pours down on the Emmy and damages them. <laughs> like, was this written in, like, 2008? Sounds like it. Skrillex. Skrillex uses music attacks. Oh, maybe oh, not. Skrillex. Chugga Conroy. Chugga Conroy uses attacks based on its Let's Plays. Okay. <laughs> no oh, more God. Even the guy who wrote the fucking thing is phoning it in. Angry German Kid. Angry German Kid attacks by getting mad, like Angry German Kid. Sai <laughs> Sai attacks by singing Gangnam Style. Oh god, that dates it at least 2012. Angry Video Game Nerd, he can throw rolling rock bottles, charge up a super powerful plasma punch with his power glove, shoot with his sapper and super scope, and shout swear words. God, I'm so glad I was raised on shite DOS games and not this. John Tron. John Tron attacks by building a new white nation. <laughs> Did she actually say that? Oh, but I said it. Oh. Did you guys ever come up with really shit game ideas when you were kids? Yeah, and I made them. <laughs> oh yeah, of course you did. And I'm still making them. What What about the rest of you? Because we all, we've all seen 12 ways to kill a dog. So, uh, What is your 12 ways to kill a dog? I had like a book where I'd write down game ideas when I was like in year three at school. So how old would I have been? Like seven or eight? And I remember coming up with like a kaiju combat game. 
but like I didn't actually ever watch Godzilla or anything, so I just made up my own kaiju's. So I remember that like I re- was really into turtles. So the best one was like a big turtle with a load of spikes on it that could like breathe lasers and stuff. I had a lot of game designs uh, based around being a small thing in a regular sized like <laughs> world, like toy soldier games, because like I liked Toy Commander at the time, so I came up with like sequels to Toy Commander and stuff. I'm pretty sure I definitely, as a kid, made like like Pikmin ideas, like Pikmin three ideas back when three didn't exist. And I also very vividly remember, I think like kindergarten, proposing making a game girl because the game because of the Game Boy being like, oh, that's kind of like not inclusive. <laughs> Did they ever do a game girl for marketing purposes? No. I don't no, think, so. think so. I reckon that would have sold. They sh- they missed a trick on I that. I bet it would have. My house would have had at least three of them. Yeah. Yeah, but make it pink and make it cost 15% more than the Game Boy. Yeah, and I just still <laughs> bought it. They did have a pink Game Boy Advance, didn't they? But yeah, it wasn't they did. called Game Girl, so. No, it was just a pink Game Boy Advance. But anyone, regardless of gender, wants the Game Boy Advance with the tribal tattoos on it. Let's be honest here. No. Tribal tattoos. No. I want that Mario with the tribal tattoos. I want him too. I think about him every day. He's clearly from the end of the Mario timeline because we haven't seen him. Like, <laughs> when we've seen Mario shirtless since then, he hasn't had the tattoo. So clearly Odyssey takes place before tribal tattoo Mario did. I want to talk to you about the little console. The little console. Little console is one of the very first cheap handheld consoles manufactured since February 8th, 1981 by Little a German discount brand. Games. <laughs> Donkey Kong, Racing Little. Are you still on the uh, game Cat ideas, Virtual Pet, this is fake, 3D Racing this Little, this is fake. and okay. Drift Simulator. <laughs> it's a third generation, release date February 8th, 1981, lifespan two to three hours. That's not a long lifespan for a console. Unit shipped three million. CPU, Z80, memory storage, display 100 by 100 pixels. Graphics, three-dimensional. What? Best-selling game, Basket 1981. Predecessor, no! (laughs) How would it have 3D graphics, 1981, on a handheld? There is a picture for this, which I hope you'll attach to the podcast. That's what it looks like. (laughs) What the fuck? As you can see, this is an incredible console with its fat fat d-pad tiny screen (laughs) and a and b buttons vertically on top of one another it also has a color lcd screen despite being released in 1981 there's so much unused real estate and when you boot it up it says 1981 little core little is a german hard discount It's all, oh yeah, it's also a white cube with all of the controls right at the top of it and the rest of it is just empty space. I don't know how I forgot that. This is the sort of thing that I was hoping we'd find here. People with like stupid ideas that don't realize how stupid they are. How how do you think Basket 1981 plays? <laughs> uh, you press A to throw Basket, you press B to jump. But is it like a shopping experience? Oh, I was thinking of, like, hoops. I was thinking, like, basketball. No, it's a shopping basket. No, it's little, so it's got to be a shopping basket. The entire game is you trying to get the basket arms up in the right place, but you keep accidentally slapping them down to one side and then bringing up the one that's underneath, and it's just a fucking shambles, so you just get a trolley instead. It's got links to them, but nobody's written the articles on, like, Racing Little or Drift Simulator (laughs) yet, unfortunately. 
<laughs> and, and Donkey Kong there a year before it came out on any other system. I've accidentally found the console that Cheyenne's Pocket Tales launched on. Oh, what is it? Uh, it was released on March 29th, 2003, and it's called the Playbox. Uh, it's launched titles of Cheyenne's Pocket Tales and Cheyenne's Bad Fur Day, despite the fact that they're three years apart on launch. Um, and it's also backwards compatible with everything up to like the Xbox One and PlayStation 4, despite coming out in 2003. <laughs> um, it has a 64 terabyte hard drive. Of course. Of course. Um, full HD up to 2160p. There we go. 1,234 buttons on the controller. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one, two, three, four buttons is like a thing that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it was announced at the first day of GothCon 2002 on September 2nd. <laughs> and then was released <laughs> in March 29th in North America, March 30th in Japan, and then April 2nd in the rest of the world in 2003. <laughs> There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, hardware specs for this, so Can I'm gonna see them. I'm Can gonna we see link the hardware it. Specs? I'm gonna link it to you. Two hundred and fifty-six gigabytes of GDDR5. <laughs> yes, six USB 4.0. One nanosecond lag time. <laughs> Jersey processor. It reads mini CDs. Well, it's got to for the the GameCube backwards compatibility, right? <laughs> 5G and Wi-Fi support. Despite this, it only has a HDMI port. Sony spending all their time making a PSP. Why don't they just make this instead? Make the Playbox. Stupid. Yeah, they should yeah. just make the Playbox. Is this is this um is this a portable console or unclear? <laughs> I don't see how it can be with all the bells and whistles it's got on it. It's got four SD card slots. That's probably portable, right? <laughs> It's also got six USB slots, so this is a monster of a portable so console. So it's basically a PS3, is what we're saying. This is just a PS3, it's but a with PS3 more steps added. It's a PS3 that can added. play PS4 games. Yeah. Built-in AM, FM radio. <laughs> and connect PlayStation camera combination. Built-in. A combination? A combination. It does both of them. Built-in Game Boy player plays Game Boy, GBC, GBA, and GBE micro games, so you can just <laughs> slot them in. How big would you think this thing would have to be? About the size of an original Xbox. <laughs> it's actually just a box that contains all of these consoles inside it. It just has different cables and wires that go towards them. This is just a house. <laughs> Two circle pads. It doesn't have control sticks. It's just got circle pads. And a touchpad. You can't have this without a touchpad. Of course, you need it. Pardon me. I want to complain about the Game Gear Micro. <laughs> It's been a while since they announced this thing, but I've been silently fuming about the Game Gear Micro for literally months. Okay. What's bad about it? Well, watch the video and you'll see, but basically, Sega decided that they would take a bad console that they made and they would make it so impossibly small that it's actually... Oh, Jesus! Un <laughs> unusable. Yeah. Holy shit, that's tiny. So the Game Gear Micro what is so small that you probably can't actuate the buttons using your thumb because they're too tiny and you can't see the screen because it's like smaller than a penny. This is absurd. There's four different variants of it and they each only have four Game Gear games on them. And Game Gear games aren't good. And the Game Gear and Game Gear games, neither of them are good. 
My screen is so small. That's ridiculous. You want to play Sonic and Tails on a Game Gear so small you could inhale it? Oh, Gunstar Heroes would be awful on this thing. <laughs> um, do, do you think people will buy it to play it, though, or just buy it as a collectible? I think that's it. It's, it's as a collectible. Oh, it's absolutely a pointless collector's item, but, like, why even make it play games, you know? Like, no one's going to play It's a cool novelty, I guess. Oh. Have you scrolled down as well and seen that they're also releasing a uh, a magnifying thing that you attach to it so you can <laughs> the, see the screen? The oh. Sega Big Window. <laughs> I had one of those for my Game Boy, I think. I, had, I did, like, one yeah, with a light on, on the top, it, yeah. yeah. Sega just, they have a way of, like, creating just horrible, horrible merchandise that people will buy anyway, like the Sonic Curry and stuff. Sega have some odd ideas about what they're doing. I feel like Sega never says no to an idea of just anything. Like, it's to be fair, it's how we got Sonic and All-Stars Racing transformed, so I can't complain that much. Sega's on the, on the up and up, though, isn't it? Like, Sega is coming back, right? Are they? I, I think so. I think Sega is doing better now than they have done. What are they for doing? A lot of, I, I mean, the Total War series is doing very well. Um, Sonic probably holds numbers still, but that you know, kids will buy any old Sonic shit. I feel like Sega is just you know going in circles while Sammy makes all that sick pachinko money. Yakuza series has done quite well recently. They're doing better than they used to, but I don't know if we're in a resurgence. Wouldn't call it good. Let's segue into the recent Nintendo leaks. This is part of the ongoing leaks thing. We've talked about it before, but there's been a big new dump of Nintendo like source code and stuff. So uh, important things... Um, a Luigi model has been found in source files for Mario 64. We already had references from previously analyzing the code to know that Luigi was supposed to be in Mario 64 at one point, but now we found an actual working model and people have re-implemented it into the game with uh, multiplayer. This doesn't necessarily mean that he was going to be playable, mind you. It just means that he was going to appear. Like, people are presenting a lot of fan-made hacks as if they're lost official content when they're, like, 90% fan-made. Yeah, like, this is, like... I'm pretty sure there's been multiple developer, like, interviews saying that, yeah, we wanted to have Luigi in this game at some point. And now they find a model of him when we already knew he was going to be in the game. Being like, Look, guys, he's going to be in the game. Like, yeah, we, we've known this for years. Yeah, yeah, we, we already knew for years that he, he was, but it's just, it's more evidence of it i guess is the thing um and i think the the references because we've got the actual source code as well now the source code we've worked with previously is the decompilation that was made we've actually got the mario 64 source code now so we have references to like luigi as a player too in there from what i understand there was a game in development called super donkey which had yoshi style graphics but you played as a man in like an aviator suit um, and it looks really weird. There's uh, there's gameplay of it that's showed up on YouTube, and you hold a jump button to like charge up your jump, and then you let go to actually jump. And it looks really slow and kind of crap. But people were wondering if it was gonna be a Donkey Kong game that Miyamoto was working on that eventually became Yoshi's Island when uh, DKC was being made by Rare or something like that. Um, because it's called Super Donkey, so... It, it looks like an early attempt at Yoshi's Island. There's other yeah. Yoshi's Island prototypes as well. Yeah, so there is. It kind of fits in with them. 
there's footage of an animated world map for Yoshi's Island, which it's a shame we didn't get, but I think it's only for the first world, so maybe they just couldn't be bothered to animate all of the worlds. But um, it's nice, all of the enemies in the background like jump around and stuff, and it's cool. Uh, there was some sprites of Mario still with a mustache, but in like a baby grow on Yoshi's back. Oh, that's so oh, creepy. Oh, yeah, it's really oh, yeah. disturbing. It's so cursed. Yeah. It's so cursed. So there's a load of weird sprite work that's come out. There's there's um, there's um sprite work of Mario from Mario World looking like he's giving the finger to the player, but it's just supposed to be him like pointing up in the air when he finishes the level, but it really looks like <laughs> he's giving the finger. Loads of uncompressed sound files for various games. There's um, Star Fox like voice clips completely uncompressed, so you can listen to like, do a barrel roll. Do a barrel roll. Um, and stuff like that, like... Uh, in HD, essentially. This baby can take temperatures up to 9,000 degrees. Source codes for various games, Diamond and Pearl, Wario Land 4. There was a finished build of an unreleased ice hockey RPG for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> ice hockey or as in NES ice hockey, the same style? Yeah, yeah, like that, but as an RPG, apparently. That's awesome. That's pretty neat. Um, source code for Mario Kart, Link to the Past, F-Zero, Mario All-Stars, Star Fox 1 and 2, uh, Yoshi's Island, Stunt Race FX, um, a load of tools for like internal Nintendo software like sprite making stuff and things, but it's cool. I'm really enjoying getting these links coming out because... We're going to have some badass ROM hacks coming in the future. It would be nice if we did get them. I don't know how invested people are going to be in those hmm. games that they're going to work on it. Because ROM hacking for a lot of this stuff will be good or enough already that people probably won't want to learn how to edit the source code mm -hmm. in order to make Fair stuff. Enough. Problem is, it's it's like legal under most copyright law to decompile a game and piece together how it works. You're like allowed to reverse engineer it, but it's like if you've created the ROM hack or something using some code that was leaked that wasn't allowed to be released, then you can open yourself up to legal troubles. So I think most ROM hacking yeah. communities mm -hmm. just try and completely distance themselves from it. Yeah. That said, it is really interesting to, you know, see how Nintendo programmed all these games and also, you know, see all the weird like cut content and stuff. Yeah, unused assets and things. Apparently there's an entire world map for Link to the Past in Link's Awakening like as a separate map that that just happens to be there now the Link's awakening decompilation is really fascinating would recommend reading the whole thing i probably wouldn't recommend it to like a normal person if you're like me i'd recommend it <laughs> there's uh there's a picture of luigi giving the finger alongside a naked man who looks like oh a cicada <laughs> nice nice why didn't they make it a different finger that was pointing up i don't or am know I, am i overthinking it I feel like the stuff that came out from the Argonaut software and the cancelled Yoshi game, I think, proves that the cancelled Yoshi game was very hurriedly assembled into Croc. Because, like, I don't know if you've seen the Yoshi models that came out of it, but the Yoshi models look exactly like Croc. Like, it's got, even it's got, like, the, the eyes that, like, sit on top of his head like Croc does. No, I haven't seen any of this. Oh, basically out there, you'll find it but there is a Yoshi model that looks almost identical to Croc. And I'm almost wondering if, like, Nintendo changed Yoshi slightly to make him look less like Croc rather than the other way around. Hey, that's hot!
This has been Gentlemen Discussing Video, the only podcast made of 99% pure sausages. Uh, you can catch us at lunchtime.org.uk, find us on YouTube at the GLA stream, or watch us stream live at twitch.tv slash thecatsman. Links will be provided in the description. Goodbye. 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 Yes. Fuck me, bro. No. Okay, happy man. Yeah. What about Rystar? I don't like Rystar, no. You don't like Rystar? What about Bonk? No. <laughs> Bonk is not good, are you kidding me? Bonk is good, motherfucker! It's no. about a caveman with a big noggin! How can you not like that? What about Air Zonk? Shut up. Never heard of it. What about Jazz Jackrabbit? Nope. No to Jazz Jackrabbit? Do you have no soul, happy man? Is this the problem? Actually, I've never played it. I shouldn't speak of it. What about Spire the Dragon? <laughs> Haven't played it. Spyro's good. Maybe maybe you've just not played any good mascot platformers. Maybe that's your problem. What about Croc? What about oh, Croc? Oh, Croc sucks. And so does Gex. Nobody likes Croc, Croc unironically. Is bad. Croc is bad. Nobody likes Gex, unironically. Although I have been tempted to stream Gex 3, because it has Danny John Jules in it as Gex. What's not to love about that? Who's that? He's the cat from Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Nintendo 64 emulation is, like, finally kinda good. It only took 20 years from the release of the first emulator. Awesome. I can finally play Goemon. <laughs> yeah, probably. But Happy Man, Goemon is a mascot platformer from the 90s. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>